And so we knew probably in December that we could host a ride. But hosting a ride is different than hosting a traditional Pelotonia ride. And so the team has done a remarkable amount of work to think through how things might need to change in order to host a ride. But the actual riding of a bike outside, we feel really good about. This is the James Cancer Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest today is Doug Ullman, President and CEO of Pelotonia. I'm excited to talk to Doug because registration for Pelotonia started a couple weeks ago and more than 2,000 people signed up on day one, including me. And best of all, we'll be back on the road this year, riding with our friends and raising money for cancer research here at the James. Year number 13 of Pelotonia has begun. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. So before we start talking about Pelotonia, I have a, a question for you. I think I've always wanted to ask, but never did. And that's, you know, a lot of people know your story that you're a three-time cancer survivor and the impact that's had on your life and career and that your passion and your career is raising money and awareness for cancer research. You're a national leader in this field. But I'm curious, when you were first diagnosed, you were in college at Brown and a, a very talented soccer player. Soccer was huge in your life. So how do you think your life would have been different? What career path might you have chosen if you'd never been diagnosed with cancer? Would you be coach of the U.S. national team now? <laughs> Highly unlikely, although that, that would, be, would have been an aspiration. Um, you know, I was really set on uh, becoming a teacher and working with young people. So I studied American history and education. I did my student teaching while I was in college in middle school. I uh, coached a lot of youth soccer. And I, I just loved being around young people and helping them achieve things that maybe they didn't think were possible, both in the classroom and, and on the athletic field. And so that was the trajectory I was taking, although my friends and family would tell you that they would have imagined me being in the service nonprofit space in some form or fashion. And I think cancer obviously just gave a more pointed direction at an early stage of my life. Um, but I still love youth athletics. I love education and, and really trying to help young people achieve their best. Well, you sort of do that now. You're definitely a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I also, just as an aside, I, the experience of doing student teaching was extremely rewarding and extremely challenging. And I always tell people, I, I almost wish all of us had to do student teaching at some point in our sort of lives, because when you have to stand up in front of people and know the curriculum and the content and sort of master it to be able to relay it to others um, and, and excite them about it, it's hard. And our teachers are so underappreciated. And especially now during this pandemic, um, I have such gratitude and respect for educators and what they do on a daily basis. You know, I, I have a similar thought. I, I, spent a lot of my early journalism career being a sports reporter and covering high school sports. And I always used to think, you know, I think everyone should have to interview high school kids a lot. You'll learn a lot and to learn how to stay young and talk to the, the younger kids and get inspired by them. So we should all be teachers or high school, cover high school sports. So I love it. That's a great idea. 
So now let's talk about Pelotonia. So last year, the year of COVID, there was no ride, of course, which was tough for all of us. I really missed it, not getting to see everyone in ride. So talk about how you and your team adapted on the fly. You created this thing called My Pelotonia, which that was genius. I want to hear who came up with that idea because that was, that was just a great idea and really made things better in a tough time. And you still raised $10 million, which was pretty amazing. So tell us about last year and what happened. Yeah, clearly we've all been sort of living in this pandemic uh, world for, for over a year now. And um, it was a challenging time. And I think it was challenging for our team, just like it would be for any organization or any workforce. Um, but it was challenging for the community. And I think early on, given our close partnership with the Ohio State University and the Medical Center and the James, you know, they were able to give us insights and guidance that let us know that this was going to be around for a while and that we weren't going to be able to have the ride. And so when we decided not to have the physical ride. What, we, what month? What, how early did you know that? So we knew that pretty early. We knew that probably in April. Um, we, we sort of were holding out some hope. But, you know, at that point, you'll remember in April, people were thinking, oh, August is a long way off. Yeah. But our, all of the experts were telling us this isn't going to go away anytime soon. And the biggest concern we had was the psychologic impact on people. Because as you said, this is a pilgrimage, it's a reunion, it's, a, it's something that people put on the calendar and they look forward to. And when you say we're not gonna be able to do that, we were very concerned that if we didn't replace it with something else, people would lose hope. Um, and so the My Pelotonia concept was something that the internal team had come up with actually quite a while ago um, years ago, but we just never prioritized it. We never had the time to sort of focus on it. It's almost like a, you know, the, the, the line, you know, don't let a good crisis go to waste. You know, we had a crisis and we had to come up with something. And that was, uh, an idea that we were all passionate about and, you know, just a way to personalize and give people a chance to do something special. Now explain to everyone what my Pelotonia is in the, this concept of setting and accomplishing goals. Yeah, it really was, you know, giving our community, empowering them to come up with their own goals, whether they be fundraising goals, physical activity goals, or volunteerism goals, something that's meaningful to them, where they could strive to achieve something under the sort of Pelotonia uh, umbrella. And I mean, the, the best part about it, Steve, was that we were so inspired by what we saw people do because it was all very, very personal. So instead of everybody riding a bike, you know, on the same day, that's also personal and, and inspirational, people were setting goals that, that had such meaning to them and their families. And um, it was cool to watch. Yeah, a lot of them weren't even, a lot of them were, I'm gonna run a certain amount of miles or ride a certain amount of miles, but other ones were like, I'm gonna reach out to 10 people that I haven't talked to, or I'm going to connect and see what I can do to help the community. So it was, you're right. It was pretty, it, it's as always, it was Pelotonia was inspiring. Yeah. I mean, one of my colleagues, Eric, his wife, you know, made masks in the early days of the pandemic when they were hard to find. And then she sold those masks for her fundraising and she actually made the masks out of old Pelotonia jerseys. Um, and so they're all like sort of branded differently, but they're all within that construct. And, 
you know, the other thing that was really inspiring is, you know, so many people did something that had some significance related to their experience at the James. Um, so I'll give you an example. You know, we had one woman who rode 70 miles because her mom commuted 35 miles each way to treatment at the James, you know, and that was, that was her goal. Zihai Lee, who leads the Institute for Immuno-Oncology, he rode 20 miles a day to and from work for 20 days. So for the year 2020, he did 20 miles a day. Somebody else rode 21 miles because there are 21 stories at the James. You know, like they're just really interesting ways that people connected to the mission. Yeah, it, it, it is amazing the personal stories that are out there. I think that's the connective tissue in Pelotani of this, these personal stories, people coming together, overcoming things. It's amazing. I th that's the strength of Pelotonia. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing going forward is we've always been told by the community that we don't want Pelotonia to just be one weekend a year. And so keeping that new platform going forward is, is, is critical for us because you may want to ride in August, but you may also want to say, I'm going to run 200 miles during the summer, or I'm going to volunteer X number of hours. And so that's going to be an ongoing opportunity in 2021 and beyond. Right. When you registered this year, there was a spot to put down your My Pelotonia challenges. And just so people understand, even if for whatever reason you're not able to ride, you can, or you'll explain this better than I can, you can sign up as a My, Pelot as a My Pelotonia challenge participant, right? How, does, how will that work? Yeah, essentially what we did is historically we had a category of participation called virtual rider which was that you were committing to raise $100 and you didn't have to ride a bike. You could raise that money in any way, shape, or form that you chose. And then last year we had the My Pelotonia platform. And so we've rebranded it as a challenger. So you sign up as a challenger and you're committing to raise a minimum of $100 and you can set whatever goals you, you want. Um, but they're not mutually exclusive participation types. So I can be a rider and a challenger and a volunteer um, and a donor. Uh, and we really want to just recruit more people. And so the challenger platform provides an opportunity for people to participate however they uh, choose. That's a great way to get non-cyclists and particularly runners or swimmers involved. And they can say, I'm going to ride my challenge. I'm going to run 500 miles this year or something like that or do a totally. Totally. And, and the, you know, when we form new Pelotons, whether they be community groups or corporate groups, um, you know, you have to have five members to start a Peloton. Well, they don't have to be five riders. Right. You could have two riders, you could have three challengers, you could have six volunteers. And so we think the challenger platform allows people to feel a part of a team. You know, they can be part of the Peloton, even if they aren't riding in August uh, on the roads with us. And so in the past, the virtual rider platform seemed a bit transactional and virtual riders were seen as sort of this other group. And we didn't want that sort of division. We want everybody who participates, no matter how they participate, to feel uh, entirely a part of the community. Well, you, you, your team should get some credit. You got guys come up with some good ideas that keeps the momentum going. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, I, I am very fortunate to work with phenomenal people and watching them perform during the pandemic has been incredible because this has been overwhelming. It's been hard. It's been challenging um, for any number of reasons that we all know. And I uh, really appreciate the team's energy and effort. And we're excited about 2021. 
Well, yeah, talk about now after August of last year, there was no ride. My Pelotani worked well. You, like I said, you raised 10 million. We're, we're over 200 million. So walk us through like September, October, November and the planning for this year and when you sort of knew at, I mean, those were tough times over the winter. When did you know it was going to be possible to have rides this year? Yeah, so we went back and forth a lot. And I remember we had a board meeting in November. We had a board meeting in December. We had a board meeting in January. And every three or four weeks in the interim period between these meetings, information was changing, right? I mean, things happened so quickly. But David Cohn, uh, Chief Medical Officer at the James, and many others in the, in the field really helped advise us on what would be possible. And so we knew probably in December that we could host a ride. But hosting a ride is different than hosting a traditional Pelotonia ride. And so the team has done a remarkable amount of work to think through how things might need to change in order to host a ride. But the actual riding of a bike outside, we feel really good about. It's some of the ancillary pieces that we really had to think through. So um, even though we were optimistic that we could have a ride, we had to plan as if we're operating today as opposed to where we might be in August, because we don't know where we'll be in August, if that makes sense. Does that mean you have to have plan A, plan B, plan C based on if this happens, if this happens, if this happens? Yeah. And basically what it means is that as we meet with our partners at the county and city health departments, you know, and propose what we're going to do, we have to plan as if we're having the ride tomorrow, as opposed to four months from now. Now, as things improve, we hope to add things back in, but we can't start with the original plan being a full three-day traditional Pelotonia and take things away. I'd rather start with what we know will work and be safe and then add things back in as, as you know, the, the environment changes. Does that mean over the next few weeks or months that we may hear announcements of new things added in? Exactly. So I'll give you an example. One of the things that um, we've decided uh, that we're not able to do this year is we're not going to host people in dorms. Right? We're not going to put strangers together in a, in a dorm room. It just didn't seem prudent. And, um, and yet we were thinking about transportation. We've always provided transportation from the end of the rides back to the start lines for people who don't have somebody picking them up. That's one where right now we haven't fully determined how that's going to work. Would we require everybody on a shuttle bus to wear a mask? Would we require people to show that they've been vaccinated? I mean, these are all the questions that come up in the brainstorming of how to do transportation safely. And so we can't commit today that we can transport everybody back to the start line. By August, I'm hopeful that we will have some solutions uh, on the transportation front and we're working through those, but that's something that we didn't want to commit to and then have to take away um, later on in the, in the summer. Hmm, interesting. I'll be curious to hear how you're going to come up with that. But, but first we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Doug is going to tell us about, so more of the differences this year in Pelotonia, particularly the new routes. There's all new routes this year. And I, for one, am excited to, to ride in some new territory. So we'll be right back. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine. 
to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Doug Ullman, President and CEO of Pelotonia, and we're about to dig into this year's Pelotonia ride, or to be more accurate, rides, since there are several different and new rides. So, Doug, fill us in. I'm very curious and excited to learn about the new routes, the new procedure, just how, how's it going to work this year? Yeah, we're excited about this year. You know, there's a lot of planning that's taken place. And one of the things we decided early on is that 2021 could not look like 2019 as a result of the pandemic, but also just as the result of wanting to sort of put some new things in place. So we have nine different options for participation this year in terms of routes or route combinations. And a lot of the things we're doing are related to safety and being able to spread people out. So for the first time ever this year, we will offer some shorter distance rides on both Saturday and Sunday. Um, We also will have different routes whereby we're able to space out the starting lines pretty dramatically. So I'll give you an example. On Saturday morning and Sunday morning, we will most likely have multiple starting areas downtown. So there might be a group that is starting at the traditional sort of McPherson Commons area, and there might be a group that's starting at Columbus Commons. And that way, those groups will meet up on the road, but they won't be sort of gathered too closely together at the start. Um, All of the rest stops are being redesigned. So you might pull into a rest stop, you might be told exactly where to park your bike because those racks would be cleaned and wiped down when you leave. Um, All the portable bathrooms will be spread out so that we can clean them more frequently. Um, Unfortunately, uh, it'll still be great, but unfortunately all the rest stop food will be prepackaged. So there won't be homemade peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that you stick your hand in a jar and and grab on your own. Um, And and even the the water bottle filling stations, you know, probably not going to have you putting your hands on the knob every time to refill your water, but volunteers would probably be filling it for you um, and making sure that we're doing it in, a, in the safest way possible. Um, so those are just a few examples. We're still working on plans for Friday in the opening ceremony. Um, it won't be a traditional opening ceremony in, in many respects. Um, and the other thing we're doing this year that's really different is we're going to mail credentials. So you're going to get your credentials ahead of time. Um, and so there, that will eliminate any lines or any sort of mass gatherings on Friday waiting to pick up uh, your credentials or, or, or information. So um, lots of changes in the works. So credentials, just so everyone understands, is your registration kit where you get your badge that you put on yourself and one that you put on your bike and you get some uh, Pelotonia swag. Correct. And one of the things we're looking at this year is we may actually send out the credentials and we may actually distribute the rider gifts at the finish lines. So Uh, you might get your rider gift bag when you finish if we aren't able to host the opening ceremony on on Friday. So if we're not able to gather on Friday, we are looking at doing some sort of distributed virtual event where there may be gatherings that are smaller around town um, where you could go and watch the program. Uh, but it wouldn't be six hours of people eating and drinking under tents, you know, next to each other. Well, there's another good idea. Cause I'm just thinking of logistics of mailing eight or nine or 10,000 boxes <laughs> as opposed to envelopes. Envelopes are a lot easier to mail. <laughs> totally. And with sizing and things, you know, it's just sort of tricky. 
Um, but we've actually, it's funny because we've always wanted to mail the credentials in advance. We actually wanted to do it uh, two years ago and, and just didn't get around to it. So this is something that the pandemic has just expedited. Uh, because for some people, you know, they may not want to come down and, and stand in line for hours, regardless of the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, the, the only caveat to that is if you register in the last two weeks, you're going to have to come pick it up somewhere. Uh, we won't be able to guarantee to get it to you in time. Oh, see, I, 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 over the years, I developed and devised the perfect Pelotonian registration plan. I was there within the first 15 minutes. <laughs> smart. Very yeah. smart. You're a seasoned, you're a seasoned uh, expert. <laughs> and it's, the, it's my friend, Cindy Kipp from Nationwide, who's a volunteer every year, and she always signs me in. <laughs> so, That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about the roots. I wrote a list of them because uh, they're all new. And let me run through them real quick. And I want to hear about some of these new roots, particularly the one I'm riding. So on Saturday, there's a 20-mile downtown to New Albany route a 50-mile downtown to New Albany route, a, an 80-mile New Albany to Gambier route. That's the one I've signed up for. There's a 100-mile downtown to Gambier, which may be similar to past rides. On Sunday, there's a 20-mile downtown to New Albany, a 50-mile downtown to New Albany. And this one sounds interesting, a new, brand-new 100-mile New Albany loop, meaning you start and finish in New Albany, which I think solves some of the transportation back problems. And then there are, if I got this right, there are two two-day options. One of them is the downtown to Gambier, 100 miles on Saturday, and then Sunday, the 100-mile New Albany loop. And then there's the other two-day option is Saturday, New Albany to Gambier, 80, and then the 100-mile New Albany loop. And that's the one I need you to talk me into doing. <laughs> I can do that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, the, this, I'll start sort of reverse, but the Sunday New Albany 100 was really to say, look, it's a lot simpler for people who don't want to deal with transportation, may not be able to have family meet them at the end. Um, and we have quite a few riders who live out sort of in New Albany or the surrounding area. And there's beautiful rides, as we all know. So it's, it's easy to get a 100-mile route that, that has some incredible uh, landscapes uh, across the route. So that's exciting as a, as a new uh, opportunity. You know, we're excited about the routes for a lot of reasons. Um, I'll give you a few insights. Um, because we needed to find more starting lines and more finish lines, we are using New Albany more this year because there are multiple venues. There's the in-town venue, there's Bevelheimer, there's lots of sort of places to start and end and do rest stops in that area, which is important for spacing. Um, but I'll give you a little insight. We're very excited about the new 50 mile route on both Saturday and Sunday, because that route will start downtown. It will go through Bexley, which we've never done. Um, and then it will end up going through Granville before ending in New Albany. So this will be the first time that 50 mile riders will get to experience Granville. And then, that is something we've always wanted to do, have more people get to experience riding through Granville. Um, so we're very excited about that. Wow, that is a great idea because Bexley is, has a huge team. So there'll be tons of people, right? Are you going right down the main strip? We, we haven't finalized exactly the, the roads yet, but um, they do have a huge team and, and community engagement. They also um, perform incredibly well during the Columbus Marathon. 
uh, when the marathon goes through Bexley, it's, you know, a huge showing of support from the community. We are pretty optimistic that that'll be the same for Pelotonia. Yeah, I think this 50 mile route, which I always rode on the, as part of the 100, is going to be much better. You go through Bexley and then Granville is always a highlight. That's Yeah, exactly. And then ending New Albany. And then you're you're like a superstar when you go through Granville with all those people. It's like being in the Tour de France when they're when they're just cheering you on and signs and bells. So that's exactly, that. exactly. And now I do I, I should add that the hundred mile route on Saturday is not the same as it has been in the past. That's uh, right. So those are also different. Yep. Is Reynolds Road still in it? Reynolds so, Road. So here, here's what I will tell you: um, as in years past, we will have two different options for both the 80 and the 100 on Saturday. So once you get through Granville, there will be two options like there have been in the past. There'll be a hillier option and a less hilly option. Um, The hillier option this year is quite a bit hillier than the Reynolds Road route of the past. Um, If you can think about it from this perspective, it might help. In the past, when you got to Granville, it was mile 60. This year, when you get to Granville, it will be mile 37. So there will be many more miles post-Granville to get to Gambier. So um, that's why it's hillier than the Reynolds Road. Reynolds Road itself is not going to be on the route. Um, And if you've ever ridden day two of Pelotonia, much of the, one of the options on day one this year is part of the day two traditional course. So you're sort of going the back way to get to Gambier as opposed to the way we've gone in the past. So there's lots of options, but it's, uh, it's going to be exciting for people that have ridden the, the hundred historically. And also you said from New Albany, the 80 mile New Albany to Gambier ride, you don't get to Granville until mile 37. That means it's not a direct route. All right. So- I'm sorry. I miss, I misspoke on that. On, on the 80 mile ride, you will get to Granville at mile 17. Um, oh. Or, 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 right, or right, right about there, but on the hundred mile it would be mile thirty-seven. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so you'll still have plenty of hills on your on your eighty-mile ride. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm I'm probably one of the very few people who's going to miss Reynolds Road. Yeah, I, no people people love Reynolds Road, and it's amazing. I will tell you, there are some great climbs on the on the route this year, um, and there's so many options when you get out into that part of the the state. I mean, there's so many great options for, for riding, which is which was exciting for the team as they planned it. Well, let's talk a little more about some of your new safety protocols. And let me ask the question I'm sure everyone's who's riding is thinking about. What's the, what are going to be the mask requirements? Yeah, so as of right now, the plans we put in place and the plans we presented to the city and the county uh, health departments um, have us uh, requiring masks at the starting line and the finish line and any rest stop where you're not eating or drinking. Um, But we are not gonna require masks while people are riding. And, you know, look, August is a ways off. So as things evolve and and change, we're gonna go uh, by sort of what the recommendations are from the public health officials uh, in the various counties and and cities. And so um, more to come on that. But as of this moment, that's that's what we're planning for. So I guess one of the factors that you're going to consider is the vaccination rate. And as if and when everyone who wants to get a vaccine gets one, that's going to impact not only masks, but I'm guessing other things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the vaccination rate, the 
you know, community spread rate, um, the potential of herd immunity, whenever that may come. Uh, I think all those things will factor into not only safety protocols as it relates to distancing or, or masking, but also as it relates to the start lines, because the, the, the waves of starting groups this year will be smaller. So in the past, we may have had a, a, a wave of 600 riders start, you know, at the same time this year, it might be 200 and there might be a 10 minute break before the next people. Um, for us, the biggest bottlenecks or potential for bottlenecks are the start lines and the uh, rest stops. So that's where we just need to space people out so that everybody's not getting to the rest stops at the same time. Uh, but again, that'll be based on some of the public health measures that are in place and the recommendations that we get later in the, in the year. So in my mind, I'm thinking of all these different starting points, all these different routes, all these different rest stops, starts and finishes. So Chris Anderson, your person on your team who figures all this out, he's got quite the job this year, but there's a lot more logistics involved in doing all these things. Absolutely. Chris and, and Lauren have done a remarkable job and it's a lot more work. One, because the routes are new. So we've got new locations for rest stops, new things to work with volunteers on, um, and there's many more options. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. We find ourselves in the remarkable, fortunate position whereby uh, we are funded by sponsors who underwrite the costs. And as you might imagine, given what we've just talked about, the cost to produce Pelotonia this year will be at least 50%, but probably closer to 70% more than it was in 2019 because you have to prepackage the food because you have to wash the portable bathrooms because you have to have more routes and more starting areas and more finish lines. And, and so we are able to do that only because of our sponsors and partners who underwrite. And again, I can't express our gratitude enough because without that, we would not be able to offer all of these various options and, and protocols that we've talked about. Well, that was one of the geniuses of the initial idea of Pelotoni that having these sponsors and that connection did what you just mentioned, but it's also led to that 100% of every dollar raised goes to research and not to pay for these types of things, which makes sets Pelotoni apart from a lot of other fundraising rides and events. Totally, and, and it's been since day one and it's not changing. And in fact, I get asked all the time, you know, during the pandemic, did any of your partners, you know, walk away? And, and the answer is no, and we are adding new partners. Um, and so, you know, we are so excited to welcome a new uh, partner to our family of, of supporters this year, which is SafeLight. And, um, you know, just beyond appreciative and, and grateful to them and to obviously Huntington and Elbrands and AEP and the Santulis and, I mean, Cardinal and Nationwide and the Shot Foundation. I mean, everybody who Diamond Hill, I mean, they make this happen. And when you talk about something like mailing out credentials, well, that costs money, right? And you talk about adding different aspects to the weekend, it costs money. And um, we're just, we're very fortunate. Let's see that. And, and I'm guessing that the reason all these sponsors are not only sticking around, but willing to help even more is all these personal connections, all the joy and, and amazingness of the Pelotonian weekend that, and, all their activities throughout the year. You've created such a strong community that it only got stronger. Well, 
that's nice of you to say you've been doing this a lot longer than me. So you created the community and you, I mean, you, the fellow riders did it. And what I would say too, and this is not insignificant, these companies and these individuals and families also have tremendous ties to the James and they have all been touched personally by cancer. They've witnessed what we are all fortunate enough to have here in Columbus and it's that old adage that you don't know what you have until you need it. And so many people in our community don't fully appreciate the James and the research and the clinicians until they need it. And then they say, oh my gosh, how could I not be a part of this powerful community given what I just witnessed or saw my family member or loved one experience? And that's a testament to the leaders at the James and all the scientists and clinicians who ride and who volunteer and who get out and support um, our shared mission. Well, that's what I was going to kind of one of my last questions was how do you maintain your momentum any, any year in an event that's now 13 years old and, but especially this past year, but you've sort of, that's what we just talked about for the last half hour, but still, I I think that's the biggest uh, challenge for any, organization that's 10 years and older is maintaining momentum, but you've done it, but how, how are you going to continue to do that? Well, look, I think there's a shift going on and the shift is um, maybe subtle, but significant, which is th- the first 10 years of Pelotonia were all focused on how much money we raise. And that was important because we needed to fuel research and it continues to be important. But to me, the next 10 years are going to be, really focused on the impact of the research. And the beauty of that is that almost every day we're hearing from our partners at the university what's going on that is translating into people's lives. So whether it's the Peloton Institute for Immuno-Oncology or whether it's the work of, of Samik or Heather Hample or David Carbone or all the people that you're, you get to talk to on a regular basis, there is so much going on right here at the James that will save and change people's lives. And to me, that's what will motivate the community to keep going as opposed to a dollar figure. The dollars are a means to the end, but the end is actually new therapies, new breakthroughs and new research initiatives. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it in that way, but you're right, it's a long-term investment and the investments from eight, 10 years ago for this initial research now led to the next round of research, which led to a grant, which has now led to a new treatment. So yeah, that's a great way to think of it that I, that I never have before, that this long-term investment started 13 years ago is really paying off now and will continue to. Totally, I'm excited. So, okay, we're gonna wrap this up. I've learned a couple things. I think I may have to ride two days and I'm gonna practice. And when I train this year, I may have to ride a few times with the mask just to see yeah. what <laughs> well, we won't require we won't require a mask uh, while you're riding, but and, and we'll have masks available at the rest stops and, and places. So, um, not to worry. Any chance there's going to be a special Pelotonia mask? I think there's a high likelihood. <laughs> okay. Well, may it have might it have an arrow on it? <laughs> might have more than one. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna end this by putting you on the spot. A couple years ago. Joe Biden, who's all for cancer research, was the keynote speaker. So, and, and it, the, the alliteration is perfect, riding with Biden. 
So what are the chances in the future? Have you reached out or is, the, are, is something in the works to get him to a Pelotani ride, the president of the United States? It's a great question. Um, I have personally not had any conversations with uh, the president or, or his team uh, about that, but there have been a lot of people in the community who have asked and who are interested in that. I will tell you one quick anecdote you may have seen, but just before uh, President Biden took office, uh, there was a photograph uh, posted online of he and uh, Dr. Jill Biden doing a bike ride in Delaware. It was sort of one of these winter days that was sort of sunny. And they were photographed with their Secret Service riding their bikes along a path in Delaware. And Dr. Jill Biden was wearing her Pelotonia sweatshirt uh, that she got when she was here a couple of years ago. Uh, so it was pretty exciting to see that they're still uh, wearing that uh, attire and, and sporting the brand. But I'm sure there will be a push to, to see if they're interested in riding at some point in the future. Okay, and, and then if and when he ever does ride um, in Pelotonia, you'll hook me up to get to interview him about Pelotonian cancer. Of course, you, you'll, you'll be the first one to get to interview, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, let's wrap this up. This was great. Um, you got me excited. I'm going for a ride today. The weather is nice today. I'm going to go for a ride today and start to get in shape. So everyone out there who wants to be involved in Pelotonia as a volunteer to do a challenge to ride, give us the website and, and a, a final pitch to get people involved. Yeah, we, we would love to have your support in any way, shape, or form as a rider, a, a challenger, or a volunteer. You can go to pelotonia.org. Uh, it's a new website. It's much more functional. It's mobile-friendly. Uh, there are easy ways to uh, sign up. It takes about less than two minutes to do so. Uh, you can share it with your friends and, and on social. And uh, the research is as important as it's ever been or more important than it's ever been. And we're just beyond appreciative for the community support. I did notice the new website and it threw me at first because it had been the same one for a while. And, you know, as I get older, I don't like change, but I've adapted. <laughs> it's now, I've now, it's quick to figure out the new website. It's great. Well, and, when you, and you probably noticed when you go to your page, it has the cumulative fundraising over the years of what you've raised since you started participating. It has all of your donors from uh, years past and hopefully it will make it a little bit easier as we go forward for people to reach out and, and solicit donations. Yeah, I love that it has an accumulative total, which I hadn't seen for a while. And this year, I'm going to go over $40,000. So that's pretty, it's amazing. Well, I, that, well I'll, I'll say you're welcome. And thank you to all my donors who've supported me for 13 years. So, and that's helped me connect with people. Amazing. So, so thank you, Doug. And I'll, I'll see you on the road soon. Thanks so much. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.